Welcome to the GoTo Podcast. In this episode, Murray Tom, VP of Product Management at D-Wave, explores quantum computing in practice with Preben, CTO of Trifork Switzerland. Created for developers by developers, GoTo gathers the best minds in the software community. Stay up to date with the latest in tech through GoTo's top-rated events held online and in person in Chicago, Amsterdam, and Copenhagen, and by subscribing to the GoTo Conferences YouTube channel, where you can find thousands more high-quality dev talks. Learn more at gotopia.tech. My name is Murray Tom. I'm the Vice President of Software and Cloud Services at D-Wave. I've been with the company a little over 18 years, um, and uh, I'm primarily involved in our software side, our cloud, ser- our lead cloud services, uh, and our quantum application environment. So for 18 years, may I ask, when was D-Wave founded? D-Wave was founded in 1999 by two um, graduate students at the University of British Columbia. Uh, and I joined with the company just a, a couple of years after that, 2002. I'd like to dive right into this. Um, when the whole COVID pandemic situation exploded one year ago, you launched an initiative like you opened up your platform for research, COVID-related research. Um, could you mention a couple of examples of the outcome? What came out of that? Yeah, absolutely. Early on in the pandemic, um, you know, we, like everyone else, were sort of learning about it and and, um, focusing on adapting. Uh, We'd actually been having some conversations with the Canadian government who had asked uh, private industry to open up the resources that they have available to others who were developing solutions in response to the pandemic. Um, And we, like many others, um, decided to act quickly and and do that. So we actually created a um, an opportunity for people to sign up and get free unlimited access to our quantum computers and our hybrid solvers uh, for them to be able to build and deploy applications that could be used on uh, with quantum hybrid compute technology. Um, we did that. That was available to all of our users and open source developers uh, in 35 countries. Uh, and we also partnered with organizations like uh, Denso, an auto parts manufacturer in Japan, Ulux Supercomputing Center, MDR, um, Volkswagen, uh, Menten, and, and um, Sigma I to, um, to basically not only help them to be able to build responses to um, COVID-19 challenges, but also so that they could work with developers and uh, forward-thinking businesses who were uh, looking to adapt the technology and see if it could help them um, uh, so we kind of created that developer community, those who were experienced programming on quantum hybrid technology and those who, who had a need associated with uh, the challenges from the pandemic. Um, two interesting projects arose out of that uh, amongst a variety of, uh, of uh, different projects that people worked on. Uh, Sigma I out of Japan developed a variety of um, formulations for taking challenges to do with logistics and optimization that arise from the pandemic uh, and formulate them for uh, quantum hybrid uh, uh, resources. The, including ones which basically looked at the optimization challenge of assigning patients to hospitals, knowing sort of like how many, um, uh, how many resources the hospitals have available and what's the distance between the patients and the hospitals that they need to visit. Uh, and they also developed other ones associated with helping businesses to be able to adapt uh, a new normal scheduler for their employees who had to work partly remotely and partly in the office. Another company, Menton AI, uh, has been developing uh, 
protein therapeutics. These are uh, proteins that are designed, they're like brand new designs for um, uh, tackling uh, you know, challenges associated with uh, uh, medical therapeutics. And, um, and they do this not by taking existing proteins that are used in these contexts and modifying them, but rather by designing them amino acid by amino acid. And they were able to use our quantum hyper technology to uh, design uh, proteins. Uh, they got them uh, computationally validated with protein folding, uh, chemically synthesized, and there are now quantum hybrid designed uh, proteins that are out in live virus testing against COVID-19 in the wet lab. Why is it that your platform is uniquely suited for that? So the, you know, it's, it's sort of a question of, uh, what are the challenges with um, programming so many applications that are facing the world today? So, um, like a lot of uh, a lot of, I think, developers and businesses, uh, you're looking at an application and trying to figure out, okay, how do you basically map the, the the business problem that you're trying to solve to the computational resource that you have for tackling it? And when you want to, basically, for the developer, you want to do that in the most natural way possible, where you're really taking the real representation of the world problem into uh, how you're tackling it with your computer program. Um, some of features of like everyday life, features where you have to make decisions and optimization, I need to purchase this or not, I need to select this entity to participate in my solution, um, those events either happen or they don't happen, they're discrete. They don't happen, uh, you know, if someone joins your team, uh, to play like a hockey game, you don't get 10% of them on your team. They're either playing on the ice or they're not playing on the ice. That discreteness actually makes it uh, a challenging problem for a classical computer to optimize. Uh, and even more so, like many things in our life, um, they are interrelated. So these choices about where patients are going to be going to hospitals, those each of these individual choice, choices affects the subsequent choices that are going to be made in that optimization. Um, that feature of discrete choices that are interrelated makes these problems very challenging to solve with classical computers. And at D-Wave, uh, with our Leap platform, we've developed hybrid solvers which excel at optimization problems like this. You're using it's a, a technique called quantum annealing, right? Yes. What exactly is that? So quantum annealing is an approach to um, use quantum mechanical properties to help you solve a problem. You know, I think the most commonly when people are talking about, you know, what is a quantum computer, people will tell you, um, okay, we've got this idea, we want to leverage quantum mechanics for computation. Uh, we're going to take the fundamental building block of a regular computer and just modify it slightly so that now it can have quantum mechanical properties. Instead of just being in a zero state or one state, it can be in both states simultaneously. And a lot of developers are sort of wondering, okay, well, how am I going to make use of a variable that's in two states at the same time when I'm trying to solve a problem? And the notion of quantum annealing is to um, effectively use that superposition to allow you to search a solution space. So you, uh, you know, a developer will say, you know, here's a problem I'm trying to solve. Here's an optimization challenge that's stated um, from our application space. And we need to look through a variety of different solutions in order to be able to find one that uh, is optimal for the problem we're trying to solve. In that scenario, the quantum annealer is effectively um, doing this process where it, it turns up the quantum properties of the computer and that actually causes it to search a solution space by spreading itself out very broadly with the solution space. 
Um, and that solution space can be larger than the estimated number of particles in the universe. That's what that ability will have. And then slowly turning down that quantum annealing and sort of relocalizing towards the best possible solutions. Uh, very much as if, uh, if you were thinking about this in a classical system, it would be like you move to high temperature and then you gradually turn the temperature down, like we have with thermal annealing. In quantum annealing, you turn up the quantum search and then you gradually tune that down, allowing it to localize to the highest quality solutions. Um, and it being able to be in multiple places at once, to be able to move between those solution spaces quickly, all the quantum properties it has there basically reinforce uh, the task of uh, finding those high quality solutions. To me, this sounds like pure science fiction, but you have been around for a little bit more than 20 years. Could you tell me about the, the history of quantum computing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, quantum computing is um, it's something that I think we all um, want to sort of get a, a bit of an idea around. So um, imagine taking ourselves back to the 1980s, um, where people were using computers to try to solve an expanding variety of, of complex tasks facing society at that time. There were quantum physicists back then who were trying to simulate quantum properties and quantum materials with computers, and they found there's no way we're, we're going to be able to do this. Not only could they not do it in the 80s, they knew they were never going to be able to do it. Because quantum properties require such a huge number, an exponential amount of classical resources, that it was always going to be out of their reach. And they said, you know, if we actually build computers to harness those quantum properties, this would all of a sudden become possible. And Richard Feynman really popularized that idea in 1982. Um, in, uh, in 1994, Peter Shore, uh, using, building on some of those ideas, said, you know, it's possible to write algorithms with computers that have access to these quantum properties to uh, solve some really important problems like factoring numbers, which is actually uh, the basis of all of our sort of encryption mechanisms uh, that we use as we're transferring uh, information around over the internet. And um, that protocol really got a lot of people interested in quantum computing. And in 1998, uh, some researchers at Tokyo Tech um, proposed an idea for taking uh, optimization problems, which were being approached by a technique called thermal annealing, where you would um, move through a solution, solution space with like high energy, accepting you know, lower quality solutions, and then gradually reduce that temperature so you kind of settle down to high quality solutions. And they said, you know, if, if that concept of uh, thermal annealing is, is helpful for solving problems, we could actually do that with quantum annealing and give it quantum properties and help that so, uh, search for solutions. One year later, in the United States, a group of researchers actually demonstrated with quantum materials, they could do both thermal annealing and quantum annealing, and they were able to demonstrate at large scales with no error correction that quantum annealing did in fact accelerate the uh, obtaining high quality solutions and, and low energy configurations of these uh, sort of optimization challenges. So since that time, D-Wave has been building effectively a programmable version of that. Uh, a version which basically allows us to use traditional fabrication techniques to build devices that we can control so that we can create sort of connections from common optimization problems uh, like the ones associated with you know, allocating resources or um, you know, optimizing and designing proteins and putting them into a programmable quantum system where its quantum properties allow it to very quickly work its way to high quality solutions. And that's sort of like you know, quantum computing over the last 40 years and sort of a quick snapshot. Uh, and that, that approach is key for practical quantum computing. 
because, you know, although some of the original need came from quantum physicists who wanted to discover sort of quantum material properties, um, the larger, broader impact is our ability to leverage those quantum effects for optimization challenges facing business in finance and manufacturing and logistics, um, as well as in the you know, pharmaceutical industries. And you've been mentioning um, big numbers, complexity, uh, huge magnitudes. But still, quantum computing is very, very energy efficient. Isn't that right? How can that be? So um, one of the fantastic features about the quantum computers that we're building is that um, the actual metals that, that are used to print the circuitry on the chip Uh, are, are made so that when you cool them down to really low temperature, they can superconduct, which means they can conduct electricity with no loss whatsoever. Um, so when you think about like the computer chips that are in our, our phones or in our, in our laptops, their operating temperature is room temperature, and when you turn them on, there's resistance in them, they heat up, they warm up, and then you have to like use a lot of energy that's going into that heat, and then use a lot of energy to pull that heat away so they don't overheat. Uh, in the quantum computer case, the operating temperature is very low, but when you turn them on, they don't heat up because they, they can flow these currents with no resistance. Um, so while you have, let's say, like a refrigeration system, which just uses a constant amount of heat, no matter which quantum computer you're using, the quantum processor itself um, uses one-tenth of a millionth of a watt. And it has actually been that level as we've been progressing through uh, different processor generations. So as we are growing the scale and the, uh, our ability to handle complex problems with quantum annealers and quantum computers, uh, we're not actually having to scale up the power requirements of the system. And that's a transformative change in terms of high-performance compute because uh, typically when we're using computers at a larger expanding scale, as our society is uh, using computers much more broadly in an automated way, it has huge power consumption requirements. Uh, in fact, there are power plants Uh, set up to supply power to data centers. Um, and these new technologies could fundamentally change that where we could offset big portions of the computational tasks to a technology which uh, consumes virtually no power. So what you're saying is that once we have cooled down that environment, I could add another chip so I would not even double but multiply my computing power with a huge factor without spending more energy. Yeah, I mean, think about it from the perspective that like over the last 70 years, uh, the levels of integration on our classical computing chips has been increasing exponentially each year. And with quantum computing, we're actually able to leverage many of those same fabrication techniques. So at D-Wave, over the last uh, you know, 15 years, We've been doubling the size of our quantum processors every sort of 18 months to two years. That's an exponential growth in the size of the quantum processor. But what's interesting is that the problem itself is growing exponentially with its size. So the, the performance opportunity here is sort of like a super exponential growth. It's something that's uh, quite traumatic. And uh, if you have that scenario where you take one processor and then you double it in size, you know the, the computation for a classical computer can become square as complex. However many steps it did, you have to like multiply that number of steps by itself to then tackle that new larger task with the classical computer. So that can mean a huge growth in terms of the classical compute you need to tackle that problem and a corresponding growth in terms of the power consumption needs. Whereas the quantum system that the quantum computer chip is in, you've taken you know, one chip and then you've just doubled it in size and it becomes much more powerful in terms of the problem complexity it can deal with, but its power consumption has effectively remained flat.
So where do you see this going uh, over the next 10 years? Well, that's a great question. I mean, uh, you know, what do they say? Those who uh, gaze into crystal balls are, are destined to eat a broken glass. But the, um, um, you know, quantum computing technology are going to, is going to allow us to take problems which are um, beyond our reach. They're sort of, they're even beyond our imagination with, with classical computers. Uh, and bring them into the realm of the possible. So that, you know, although we've seen so much scaling in terms of computational resources in the last 10 years that have allowed us to open up in so many new areas, um, many of us are still familiar with some challenges that have remained inaccessible. Challenges associated with, you know, really effective pattern recognition or the ability to um, do like really high quality, high quality like personalized medicine. Um, and and also, you know, basic logistics problems, you know, uh, scheduling uh, teacher schedules in a school or scheduling nurses in a hospital, allocating resources in response to a pandemic. Um, those, even at small scales, remain very challenging for our society. Uh, and that's because uh, the nature of the problem themselves um, requires um, optimization over discrete variables that are interacting with one another. And so in the next 10 years, I think what that's going to allow is that, you know, uh, as our ability to solve problems in that space becomes uh, much stronger, we're not going to need to sort of like approximate these problems anymore. We're not necessarily going to need to um, reformulate them into something that's better suited to our computational resources. Our new computational resources are now going to be well adapted to the more natural problem. So I'm hoping that, um, I'm hoping that, uh, Things associated with like really high efficiency, like business and logistics operations. Things where like airline schedules uh, become simpler and easier to run, um, and the costs associated with logistics of a business in terms of like delivery schedules, uh, vehicle routing, um, those types of things become really easy. And so, so in some sense, it will become easier to use these technologies in like everyday tasks, uh, even the ones that are ex extraordinarily complex. I don't know if that's the right way of thinking, like what might become possible, but those are some thoughts on that space. But all of this, this is in fact possible today. So how can I, as a developer, how can I benefit from your platform? How, how can I join your community today? Yeah, well, I'm really glad you asked me that. So um, for developers and forward-thinking businesses who are excited about the prospect of quantum computing and they're looking at how, how do I begin writing quantum hybrid applications, Um, you can actually just search uh, D-Wave uh, Leap or D-Wave Cloud or D-Wave Applications uh, and find a link to our, our Leap Cloud platform. Um, anyone can sign up right now. We have plans as low as zero dollars. Uh, you can get in and have a, a, a month of free access, run some of the interactive demos and go through some of the open source examples to see how applications can be mapped to quantum hybrid resources. Uh, to build applications. Um, we have a, a community portal with users who are experienced with programming the systems that they are actually posting questions and responses to one another to help people as they're building applications. And a help center which actually does a search over all of our documentation and information online about how to use quantum hybrid resources for building applications. And we even have an integrated developer environment right in that cloud platform to make it really easy to uh, program the system. And If you are building an application that you are interested in willing to open source, we'll actually renew that access every month afterwards. 
Uh, and for those businesses who are not interested in open sourcing their projects, but they're actually looking to uh, build businesses around what is now becoming possible with quantum computing technology, um, we've got plans that uh, allow you to get subscription access um, that, are, uh, that are on those business-to-business terms. Which programming languages do you support? With your platform? So we have a, a, an a open source software development kit called Ocean. It's written in Python. It's actually a combination of Python and C++ in order to be able to um, make the programming really easy and accessible for Python programmers, but it also has components which are written efficiently for some of the more computationally intensive tasks. Uh, and developers can find that we have uh, our tools open source. We've got a set of D-Wave examples open sourced. Uh, with documentation around them. Those are, are things that you can then load into our cloud services uh, quantum application environment and begin program- programming in a, uh, an IDE right in your browser uh, to help you get started so that you can you know, find examples that are the closest to uh, the applications that you have in mind, um, load them, review them, look at their references, and then start modifying them and, and importing your data um, so that you can get a quantum application built um, Quite quickly. And do we have uh, debug facilities uh, like in any other IDE? How how rich is the environment here? Yeah, so it's a fully featured integrated developer environment, and it's we've actually added extensions which integrated into our uh, cloud service so that you can easily move back and forth between the resources that you have available in our cloud services and the developer environment itself. Um, It's based on Theia. You can uh, enter into debug mode and actually enter into the code. Uh, We've also got uh, extensions to our libraries which allow you to dig in and you can actually see the quantum machine instructions uh, that are being submitted. Inspect the sort of instruction that's being sent as well as the the data format of the answer coming back. Uh, But also, I think uh, a lot of developers are really interested in, um, you know, what can we build quickly with this system? So we have uh, hybrid solver services. These are services that will actually deploy computers in the cloud and start working across the problem that you're solving with the best of classical and quantum computing technology. So it will actually break the pieces out of the problem and submit them to the quantum computer for you. And that allows developers to work with problems up to like a one million variable scale, really really getting up to full scale for quantum application development. And uh, I, I think though, we don't want to divorce developers from the actual un- like excitement of the underlying technology. So we also have features <clears throat> which would allow you in the debug developer to uh, uh, developer environment is that uh, you can look at those calls to the quantum computer and actually visualize them. And you can see the connection between the problem that you submitted and the actual instruction that went to the quantum processor graphically in front of you and explore them uh, as well as the set of solutions that you got back from the, the quantum processor. So I think it's uh, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's a combination between the utility, the function of getting something done, and also the form of, uh, you know, seeing an exciting interface, learning about it, and really getting a chance to interact with quantum computing technology and programmable quantum systems um, very early on in that development process. I know that you have recently published some research paper in Nature Communications. Could you tell me what was that about? So that work was done in collaboration between D-Wave and researchers at Google. And we were looking at simulating a quantum material where um, its quantum, its properties were uh, occurring because of quantum mechanics. So it actually entered into a new phase because it had quantum mechanical properties that actually affected the way this quantum magnet was working. And um, 
we, uh, in the study, we both did the experiments using the quantum modeler as well as um, some really uh, optimized classical code, which is sort of the best alternative way for solving that problem. And in that uh, research study, they were able to demonstrate that it was three million times faster to do that with the quantum uh, computer than it was with the classical techniques. Um, and, and what's really significant about that is that that is uh, an advantage that has been demonstrated on a problem which is an example of like a practical uh, application problem. Material simulation is one of the applications that people are really excited about with quantum computing. Um, so that's uh, <clears throat> along the path of developing quantum computing, that is one of the milestone markers of, uh, of um, the development of the systems and their, their capabilities today. So that kind of ties into the original thoughts from the early 80s, right? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, many of the origins associated with quantum computing were, you know, can we build computers that will allow us to simulate the properties of quantum systems? Because it was known that with classical computing technology, the resources you would need would grow exponentially as those quantum systems um, become larger in size, the, the ones that you want to study. Um, so this really actually creates a connection to um, some, you know, an early uh, lecture that Richard Feynman gave popularizing the idea of quantum uh, quantum computing through to a set of researchers at, at Tokyo Tech who proposed um, ways of using these optimization heuristics and modifying them to incorporate quantum effects that were then demonstrated in the United States in 1999. Um, and so, you know, we have basically now gone from those early demonstrations that large-scale uh, quantum systems using quantum annealing can accelerate calculations to a programmable quantum annealing system, which we can now use in those applications and demonstrate that, uh, that advantage. Thank you. This has been amazing. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Previn. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the GoTo Podcast. Head over to gotopia.tech for lots more content from the brightest minds in software development.